You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the plan for today is obviously to recap family night. Kind of a unique situation, so I think this is how we're going to do it. I, I have my personal observations from yesterday, and I was doing a, a live stream, so I wasn't as plugged into it as I would have been if I was just sitting around watching it by myself, but um, got some observations for myself. However, what I want to do and need to do is to go through the notes um, that that other people had made, the observations that they had made, and because I don't want to spend an hour doing that and then taking the notes down and then going back and doing it again with you, we're going to do it together live. So there's going to be some stuff that I don't know, um, and we can react to a couple of these things live together, and then I'm going to do my sort of overall notes. And I suppose as things comes up, maybe we can just do it as we're talking about it. But that's the way I want to do it because it's already 8 o'clock in the morning. And by the time I get this recorded, it'll be probably 9.30. And then by the time it gets uploaded, you know, it's already getting kind of late. So we need to just kind of hurry up and do this thing. So that is the plan. I'm going to just tell you right away at the beginning about Pristine Auction. Uh, just very, very quickly, we had gotten a note that um, essentially Pristine Auction had kind of given us an idea of how well we were doing with people that are signing up. And let's just say it's pretty clear that less than 10 people have signed up. You got to understand something here. And I understand it's like, I don't feel like doing stuff or whatever. I'm speaking to an audience of thousands of people. I'm not trying to brag, but there are thousands of people that will listen to this. Less than 10 have heeded my voice to go to Pristine Auction for a chance to win a signed Quay Walker jersey and have it delivered to their house. And all you have to do is go to pristineauction.com. Click on register, put in Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S. If you decide to buy something yourself, you go ahead and buy it. They're going to give you $10 off the first thing that you end up winning. So, you know, find something you like, 10 bucks off. But again, on top of that, you're entered to win. And your chances of success, very high right now because it's, it's better than one in, let's just call it one in 10 and say maybe a couple more people have signed up. Those are really good odds. So just please, pristineauction.com, register, put in Rogers, good to go, you're entered to win. It will take you, if it takes you three minutes, I'm assuming you're using dial-up internet. All right, anyways, we'll start off with this. Matt Schneidman tweets out at the beginning of camp, it is an ankle injury keeping out Randy Ramsey. He was not suited up for family night. So if you remember, Garvin and Ramsey were both out with injuries. They both ended up coming back after like one day, and now Ramsey's out again. Um, I, you know, it, it's such a weird thing because at the start of camp, and I'm not mad about it, at the start of camp, Ramsey and Garvin were just three and four in my mind, and that was pretty well locked up. And the fact that Tipa and Hamilton just day one have kind of come into that role, 
is exciting because we know what we have in Ramsey and Garvin. And it might not be the most exciting thing, but hey, at least it's at least it's a baseline this that or the other, but to have two guys just be like, "Yep, the, the, these guys are a a step above is is um encouraging, but the other side of that though is Garvin and Ramsey kind of holding on for dear life to these roster spots that are available. And to go out with a second injury in a very short training camp, and the fact that we've we've drafted uh, an Agbar, it's really just not looking very good for Randy Ramsey. Um, starting offensive line: Yash Nyman, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman. That was the starting offensive line. That's a pretty common setup. I know Zach Tom is a lot of times in that mix. He wasn't tonight. I think later on, and we'll see the note eventually, but later on he did get rotated in with the ones. They're, they're, again, they're, they're trying to figure out the best starting group, you know, absent Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari. And it, it, hopefully it won't even come to that because Bakhtiari will be there week one, who knows. But um, they're still trying to get that shuffle down, especially with those starting tackles. But it does seem like, you know, for a while, Cole Van Landen was kind of in the mix. I don't think that's a thing anymore. It seems like it's Yash, Royce, and uh, Zach Tom. And part of that equation, remember, Royce is, is our right guard. So part of that equation is guys like Hanson and how well they are, how, how good of a job they do at guard. If we have a really good guard option, um, maybe Royce is kind of the the better tackle option. We just end up sticking with that. Plus, with the experience and everything else, it, it might might make more sense. And if, you know, Hanson can't do it, then you got to have Royce inside. So Zach Tom might be that next best option. Um Crosby, Watson, Nixon, Taylor, Hill, Schneider, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Mitchell, Tunyon, and Taylor also out for the day. Still out. No new injuries there aside from Randy Ramsey, but those guys were out. By the way, the Randy Ramsey injury, the last time was an ankle injury, so there's reason to believe that it's a re-injury, but uh, no official word on that yet. At least not that I'm aware of. I don't know. We'll see if there was any interviews at the end of of uh, at the end of this that, that illuminate that. Um let me just stop here for one second. One observation I had, this was probably the best family night that I've seen um, in terms of how they went about it from an entertainment standpoint since they did like live scrimmages. You know, family night used to be basically Packers versus Packers and it was really, really fun to watch, but they realized the risk of injury was too high. They weren't going to do that anymore, which was a heartbreaker. And so they just, they kind of just turned it into a, a practice and it felt like a lot of it was just guys standing around doing their own separate drills. You had guys punting over here. You had field goal kicking over here. You had quarterbacks throwing into buckets over here. You had wide receivers. And the cameraman would just kind of go, you know, from person to person. And it was really, really boring. And then eventually they would do like two minute. And it was like, oh, yeah, something fun's happening. It was immediate. Basically, they, they had the offense out there against it. And they didn't do a ton, but immediately they were doing that. Then they go into punting. Then they go into kickoffs. And it was one drill after the other, but it was it was much more intensive than than I've seen in the past. So that was exciting. So right after we got the offensive line lining up and actually doing things, you've got um, kickoffs. And Amari Rogers, Romeo Dobbs, Aaron Jones, Rico, Rico Gafford were the guys doing it. I think Romeo Dobbs was the first guy out there for uh, for kickoffs. Obviously, there's no live tackling, so all the kickoff returns looked great because, you know, they're flying and nobody's smoking them because they can't. But I thought it looked good, and and I loved watching, and we've heard a ton about this, but it's always nice to be able to see it for yourself. It's so nice being able to see Rich Bisaccia out there. Just the intensity, you know, I mean, he he just seems like he's so amped up all the time, and he's so, like, 
you know, he, he, I remember the first punt and O'Donnell was out there. And this is a guy that's been in the league for a very long time. He's a veteran guy. He looked like he was a rookie when he was talking to Rich Bisaccia. You know, he immediately goes out after a punt and he points up in the air as if to say, I need more hang time from you or whatever. And, and it's almost like O'Donnell kind of just like, you know, sunk into himself a little bit, like a little boy, like, oh, okay, sorry, you know. But it was just great to see, like, he knows exactly what he wants. He knows exactly how it should look. And if it's not that way, boom, he's over there. He says, I need this. I need this. I want to tweak this. It's not this sort of first time special teams coordinator getting getting promoted. And I'm not really sure what to do. And I'm going to try to do. He, he's been doing this so long. He knows exactly what he wants to see. And he's in guys' faces. And he's doing all this. It's just, it's so refreshing. He has such a command of special teams. There's no guessing. There's no fake it till you make it. He can see instantly what went right, what went wrong. And he's going to tell you fix it. This is what you did. This is what I need. And not just me, not just screaming at people for the sake of screaming at people, just, you know, just coaching. Uh, Cassidy Hill says, one-on-one drills. Jawan Winfrey makes a great contested catch. Razul Douglas knocks it out for a forced fumble. She adds, stingy, stingy. I think that's a good um, summary of the defense overall. You know, the offense had some real nice plays, and we'll get into a lot of those, but um, overall, I think my biggest takeaway from this whole thing was how the defense looked, and it just looked stingy. Um, the offense had to fight for everything, every pass, every yard, every, every, everything. It, it, there was very rarely a run that went anywhere. There were a couple. I saw AJ Dillon had a pretty big run. They, they gifted AJ Dillon that touchdown. I don't know if there's live tackling, if he gets it. Same with the other touchdown. I think it was BJ Baylor that got it to the outside. I'm not positive that the defense doesn't stop him if, if there was allowed to be more aggression on that, but Either way, it it just it was so fun to see, and one of my favorite plays from the defense was I think it was B.J. Baylor again. Not positive, could have been Goodson, but he goes up the middle, and there's nothing there. You know, you got two defenders right in his face, and so he does a real nice cut, and he breaks to the outside. And what's waiting for him on the outside? Three more defenders, just swarming. the The ability to swarm and to penetrate and to get through and disrupt. It was such a beautiful sight to see. It made me so unbelievably happy. So stingy, stingy is a great way to describe the defense last night. Ryan Wood says, a pair of wins for Yash Nyman against Rashawn Gary to start one-on-ones. He is now 4-0 and versus Rashawn Gary in camp. That is impressive, and it is, because Rashawn Gary has very few negatives. Um, I saw him in, in uh, family night last night. There was a series that looked like Aaron Rodgers was backed up against, you know, they, they had him backed up to the, I don't know, 10-yard line or something. And I think they went three and out, basically. But on one of those plays, Rashawn Gary had an offensive lineman basically by the throat and walking him right back into Rodgers. Rodgers real quick had to launch it to somebody, and that guy got lit up instantly by Eric Stokes. I mean, it was just, it was every single play. And it's it's one of those things where we've seen that before from our offense going up against a real good defense. Just just frustrating like man we can't block him we can't run we can't throw there's nobody open and when we do complete a pass there's a guy right in his face and if even if there's nobody there there's there you know eventually there's one guy then there's two then there's three and four and five and it's just it's just suffocating you're what I'm at home in my living room I feel like I can't breathe and to see our offense struggle like that against our defense it, it just it really brought a smile to my face but yeah Rashawn Gary against Yash has been a great battle for Yash and it was kind of the same thing before too. The reason he got to four and zero this time it was he was two and zero. There was another time where it was two and zero, and then they then they called it. So they're like that was a great place for Yash to stop right there, getting that that those two wins. So and to be fair, because I know there are going to be people like oh great Rashawn, the, you know we're we're too overhyped on him. The offensive line wins by default, right? I mean it's it's if you look at pressures or or anything like that, you know even win rate. 
I'm trying to remember what it was. Rashawn Gary ended up like breaking some kind of a record as far as PFF. When I, when I look back, I remember I said, I went back as far as PFF had gone and he had the highest win rate of any pass rusher ever last year, except that exact same year, Max Crosby was higher than Rashawn Gary. So if it wasn't for Max Crosby, Rashawn would have had the highest win rate ever, but Max Crosby beat it that exact same year. But it, it was like 33% or something like that, which is insane, but it's still only one third of the time you actually beat an offensive tackle and nobody even crosses 30. So so a really, really good pass rusher is going to beat the guy across from him 25% of the time. That's like guys like Miles, Miles Garrett. So when I say the offensive line wins typically by default, that's what I mean. Uh, Andy Herman with some one-on-ones. DeGuara beats Savage on a slant. Good separation. DeGuara is one of those guys I saw a couple times. Just I glanced over and I saw his number and he had, you know, he caught the ball and I was like, oh man, I've been, I've been waiting for DeGuara to do stuff and I keep missing him making plays. So I'm hoping, I, I got to go back and see if I can find some of those people who have been posting these Twitters uh, or these uh, highlights on Twitter. Lazard drops on a short pass with Jair in coverage. Jair had a great night. Um, although I think he had his first loss of the day. And it was against Amari Ra, or not of the day, of all of camp. And I think it was against Amari. And it was for a touchdown. So just kind of a mind-blowing thing there. But uh, yeah, Lazard drop on a short pass with Jair in coverage. Carpenter with a pretty obvious hold on uh, T. Davis, Tyler Davis. Carpenter has not had a great camp. I know everybody's been really excited about him. I have not heard really any notes about him on special teams. I definitely have not heard a single note about him. This is like one of the first in all of training camp, and I don't think I've heard anything positive about him. I mean, he's, he's young, he's a rookie, all that stuff, but um, it just hasn't quite measured up to the hype, and there's been so many positive developments on special teams. I know people are excited about his potential on special teams, but you know, when you've already got guys like Levitt and a bunch of others that are making plays and can do the job, I don't think you need a guy like Carpenter because of what he can maybe do sometime kind of, sort of, maybe in the future. In other words, right now, he's a practice squad stash because he doesn't. He's, he's not contributing now, today. Sammy Watkins catches versus Stokes, and Romeo Dobbs comes up with another huge catch versus Keandre. So basically, Romeo Dobbs was up against Keandre Thomas all day and just made light work of it. Um, I'm kind of getting tired of talking about it because I talked about it ad nauseum on the stream last night. Prior to this podcast, I talked about it with... Um, with uh, Mr. Clayton Bailey on his podcast talking about it again. But um, bottom line is it doesn't matter who he's lined up against. I haven't heard him beat Jair yet. That's going to be the big test. And I I want somebody to tell me if he is matched up because it sounds like Jair has been exclusively on Lazard, which is why Lazard has been so quiet lately. But I want Dobbs on Jair because I just want to know. And I know Jair is probably going to win most of the time. But if you start seeing Dobbs, you know, even – even 30% of the time beating Jair or 20% of the time beating Jair. I don't know, man. But um, yeah, he he just makes it look easy. That was the biggest takeaway with Romeo Dobbs is it's not just that he's winning, it's that he wins in every way possible. He wins off the line. He wins with all the different routes. He can get separation. He's got speed. You know, that, that play against Stokes where Stokes is running for his life, he can't catch up to him, so he's got the speed. He wins with contested catches. You know, one of his touchdowns for the day was was a contested catch. Uh, one of them was underthrown. He came back and jumped over the defender and caught the pass, which is the third time I've heard of that happening. Or the once I one time last night I watched it. There was other two times that it was referred to as mossing somebody, including day one of camp. 
I think he did it to Stokes. In other words, it was sort of an underthrown ball. or And it's not necessarily under, underthrown. It, it could just be, you know, the defender's back is turned, so he's going to throw it short so that you can come back and get it. We saw that with Sammy Watkins yesterday. Uh, defender's back was turned. I think it was Stokes, so Rodgers just kind of heaved it a little short. So Sammy basically just stopped, let the defender run past him, and caught it. But again, it, it doesn't matter what it is. He, he got a touchdown on a slant. He got a touchdown on a post or a fade. And it's just how effortless it looks. It, you know, you, you look at some of these other guys and you can see him struggling. You see him fighting and scrapping to just try to kind of get the... He just looks like he doesn't have to try that hard. And that is the most impressive thing about, about Dobbs. And I, I wish I could just watch him all day long. You know, it's, it's kind of jumping the gun here, but it's the same thing with Quay. It's the fact that, you know, when you, when you listen to coaches... The number one thing they're going to say, especially defensive coaches, but but everybody, the, the biggest thing in terms of when you can finally be that player you need to be is when you don't have to think. You know, and again, that's especially for defense when you're when you're able to to just play at full speed without thinking. And it just feels like Dobbs and Quay are already there. They just get it. They know what to do. They don't have to think when they're out there. You know, one of the things that uh, we were watching with uh, Matt from Packers Without Borders. And he was kind of breaking down. He had played football, so he's got an understanding of some of these things. But he was able to look at the DB and say, well, he, he declared what he was going to do. So Dobbs, it was, it was easy for him. You know, he basically, as soon as he lined up, he was dead. But it's, it's the recognition, too. You know, it's the fact that Dobbs is seeing these little things and he's putting the right moves on and he's able to, to kind of bait him this way and go this way. And boom, he's just opened down the field. And, and on that play, not only did he beat him off the line, and he beat him down the field, and he had you know five steps of separation on him. But again, the ball was underthrown. He still comes back, jumps over the guy, and catches it. So I just, I don't know, man. I'm I'm so excited. I know we've got some issues on this team, but there are certain things that have got me excited, like I've never really been excited before. Uh, and Quay and Dobbs are are the biggest reason. And and you got to understand because even I'm trying to reel myself in and, and calm down. But if I was gonna fake get excited about somebody, it'd be Devonte Wyatt. Because I, I, I like Devon. He was one of my top prospects in the entire draft process. And the fact that we actually drafted him gets me super excited. Same with Zach Tom. I was a huge Zach Thomas fan, and we got him. I'm iffy on Zach Tom. I'm iffy on Devontae Wyatt. I'm excited about him. Right, The fact that Zach Tom is being launched up to, as the maybe number three tackle in terms of, you know, with not including Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. You know, you got... Yash, you got Royce, and then maybe Zach Tom after that. Maybe Zach Tom's above that. I'm not really sure. Um, there's a reason to be excited. Same with Devontae Wyatt. I, th- I think um, there's a massive misconception out there right now that it's disappointing that we're not hearing from Devontae Wyatt. It's just not true. Um, if you look at the article that I wrote, which is free, you can go check it out. It's a training camp report card, days one through seven. Look at all the defensive tackles. You know who has more notes than anybody? More than Kenny, more than Jaron, more than Dean, more than Slayton, Devontae Wyatt. More positive notes than anybody. He has, I think, seven positive notes about great pass rush, great this, great that. Kenny Clark, zero. Zero positive notes. One negative note for Kenny. That's it. He jumped off sides on a play. Um, so that is a complete misconception that he has not been talked about. He has. The only person on the entire defensive front that has been talked about more, and, and I don't know, we, we got to go through the family night and then add in, you know, yesterday's practice on top or two days ago's practice on top of it. But maybe he's been passed by Teeper or something, but including the edge rushers, including the uh, defensive line, you can even throw the linebackers in if you want. Nobody has been talked about more than Devontae Wyatt, except for Rashawn Gary. So uh, do not let people tell you that it's been quiet. It has not been quiet. 
And that includes Family Night, where he would have just blasted Jordan Love on a play. Obviously, he can't, and Jordan Love was able to complete the pass for a touchdown. But it's not been quiet. It's been almost every day at least one note about Devontae Wyatt making a play. But anyways, I'm going off on my own little tangents here. I'm I'm still not 100% sold on, on Wyatt, right? I, I think Wyatt still has some, some room to grow. I think that he's still behind Jaron, Kenny, and Dean, and he probably will be for the majority of the season, if not the entire season. Um, Dobbs, you know, or, or Zach Tom, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, you look at Quay and I just, I just, and that was a pick that I was not a fan of, but I just have no doubts. I just have no doubts about Quay, you know? So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm geeking. Another note here, which is exciting because we have not heard a ton about him, but two quick pressures from Enigbar, Enagbar, matched up against Van Lannen. Heflin meets Goodson in the gap. So, yeah, the, the Heflin meets Goodson in the gap. I remember that one. I, I remember watching that play, and that was every single play. Every single run, there was somebody in there. If it wasn't Heflin, I think TJ Slayton had a couple big immediate run defenses. I think Garvin had one that I saw. Just met the guy right away. But an uh, Agbar I did not see. I was not paying too much attention to the pass rush and all that. I was watching everything else, but really good to see. I know it's just Cole Van Lannen, but um, still have not heard a ton of great things about an Agbar. So giving him two positives on this day, I'll take that. That's awesome. Herman says, love on a nice delivery on an out route to Danny Davis. I think Jordan Love generally had a pretty good day. Um, looked like some of his throws were maybe a little bit underthrown. Even that Ture throw, which everyone's super jacked up about, um, he had to slow down kind of a lot. Granted, he had a guy right in his face, and it would have been a sack anyways, but I just, I just want to be honest about it because a lot of people are talking about that was a beautiful throw, and it's just, you know, I don't know. I want my receiver to be able to keep running in stride if he can, but overall, I think Jordan Love had a great day. Um, you know, the, the, the complication is, and again, I talked about this with Clayton, I think we put Jordan Love under more scrutiny because we're skeptical of him than we do of Aaron Rodgers, um, which seems backwards. You would you should expect more from an MVP than from Jordan Love, but it seems like we do the opposite. If Jordan Love has a bad, or if Aaron Rodgers has a bad throw, we just kind of shrug our shoulders because it's Rodgers, right? And it doesn't matter. It's, it's fine. It's just one throw. If Jordan Love do, does it, we throw our hands up and go, oh, here we go. Here we go with friggin' Jordan Love. Da, da, da. I, you know, you could borderline say, just based on what I saw, Jordan Love had a better day than Rodgers did. Um, I saw Rodgers with a couple Aaron throws. He got the bucket drill. I think Jordan Love was draining more buckets than than Rodgers was. So, you know, I don't have to compare the two. But if you did, which I think is important, I would say he had about as good of a day as, as Aaron Rodgers did. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect, including Rodgers. But um, if you if you look at it from that perspective, he had a great day. Uh, Jack Heflin with a run stop. He's the proverbial quietly having a good camp guy. Again, he, he's sort of, I don't want to say lock, but he, he's clearly my number six. The, the Jonathan Ford thing is a little weird to me, but um, it's possible. But I, I just think, I, th- I think the, the six, if it is six, maybe they do seven, I don't know. But if there's six, I think it's very straightforward. Dean, Kenny, and Jer- uh, Jaron, Wyatt and Slayton are locks, and I think Heflin is just that number six. Um, it's not to say Ford can't kind of push him out, but that's another narrative that's just kind of weird to me. Especially with Jonathan Ford being, what is, how much does this dude weigh? Isn't he like three hundred and forty pounds or something? Uh, yeah, six foot five, three hundred and forty pounds. I mean, he's a very one dimensional kind of a guy. And I know Jack Heflin, the the old trash can full of dirt, is is probably not uh, probably not the the best pass rusher in the world. But still, um, with the experience that he's got and everything, it just it just seems kind of straightforward to me. I don't know. 
And the next note, Love throws a pass right to Isaiah McDuffie, but he can't hang on. It's bounced around, but fell incomplete. I remember seeing that play too. That was, um, that one did get bounced around quite a bit. I, I was getting all excited about the defense about to get a pick, and it almost got picked, and then it almost got picked again and again, but uh, nobody could quite come down with it. Uh, next up, they showed a, a play by Samori Turi, and I actually forgot because the one that got me excited it was sort of that sliding catch, but I forgot about this one too. His first touchdown of the night, and that was against Ennis Gaines. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful throw to the corner of the end zone. Great adjustment and and able to get it to, you know, the, the, the best thing you can do is if you got a defender right on your back is get it to where the ball is, is right at your fully outstretched arms because the defender can't do anything about that. Best thing you can do is swat your arm down and hope that the, the ref calls it incidental or, or uh, simultaneous contact or whatever. But, you know, and, and, and again, Clayton and I talked about this at length uh, yesterday and this morning, but Ture is such an interesting guy because he is having an incredible camp. Um, again, if you look at the amount of positive notes that he has, I think it goes Sammy or uh, Romeo Dobbs is number one, Sammy's number two, or excuse me, Lazard is number two, and then Samore is number three. And, and I don't know that that uh, Ture doesn't pass Watt or Lazard because Lazard was just one ahead of him. And I, I know Ture, Ture had two touchdowns today. I didn't see Lazard do much. So, you know, just based on how good of a camp he's had, if we didn't have so many wide receivers, I think he'd have a shot, like a very legitimate shot. You know, if, if he was, let's just say we didn't get Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and, and Ture was was doing all this stuff, I think he'd have a extremely legitimate shot of, of making the roster, you know? But um, I just think we have six guys that are locked in. Uh, you could talk about maybe Watson then starts the season on Pup, which would open up at least one more spot. I still think, though, it, it goes to Jawan Winfrey just because of the experience and because there's there's no rush to put Ture out on the field. He's an easy practice squad stash. You keep growing him. You keep teaching him up. Nobody's going to steal him. I think people worry about, well, he's having such a good camp. Somebody's going to steal him. No, nobody's going to do that because you have to put him on your active roster. You can't steal him and put him on your practice squad. And who's going to want to do that? Everybody's got their own little Ture, their, their project that they want to work on and everything. He'll be safe. Nobody's going to steal him. But um, again, it's it's not because of his play. It's not because of anything he's doing wrong. I think he's doing everything right. I think he looks real good, and I think he's getting better every day. You know, since you know the pads have gone on and the lights have gone on, and he's playing in the stadium with all the the fans around, and he's not shrinking. If anything, he's getting better. So I'm excited about him. I think he's doing a good job. And who knows? Maybe they do try to squeeze him on the on the on the roster one way or another. It's not impossible. It just feels unlikely because it's not 100% necessary, but it, it's, it's, you get to a point where it's hard to keep a guy off the roster, you know? Uh, Mike Spofford, rookie Tariq Carpenter just missed a pick six jumping an out route, but Danny Etling's pass bounced off his hand. So again, Etling makes a terrible decision, basically just gifting Tariq Carpenter his first big play of camp. He could have walked a pick six, just, just gift wrapped a pick six to him and it bounced off his hands. You know, it's stuff like that, that it's like, these are the easy plays that you have to be able to make if you have any shot of doing anything. And, and again, nothing there. Goodson bounces outside, but nice job by Dante Vaughn coming up and making a big stop. There was, again, a ton of that yesterday. Dante Vaughn should have had a house call against Danny Etling on an outright, but couldn't hang on. Bad decision by now 19. Etling is, I think Etling has had a pretty, re, just a really bad camp. <laughs> I don't have a ton of notes on him because there's hardly ever out there, but from what I have seen, it's not been great for Etling, which doesn't really matter. Ed, who cares? But again, he basically threw another pick six that was dropped, this time by Dante Vaughn. 
Uh, Ryan Wood says, if Mason Crosby's knee injury that landed him on Pup opened the door for a kicking competition, Gabe Burkick has left it wide open. He's been sporadic in camp, just went one for two, or one one and two, I guess, in his first two kicks, or no, one of two, in his first two kicks inside Lambeau Field, missing wide left from 45, and I must have missed that first one because I thought he was undefeated, um, didn't miss for the first several kicks. I, I must have missed that first one, though, because I know there was a, a second series of kicks and he made all of them so now I'm sitting there and I'm thinking oh man this guy actually you know he missed a couple early but he hasn't missed but then later he went out to kick again and he he missed a seemed like a pretty short kick I'm not sure exactly what it was but he missed it wide left I think and so yeah I I, people have been asking like should we be worried about Mason only if his injury is going to keep him off the field but Burkick has not done anything to solidify this job I think he's been pretty bad in camp he's missed way too many kicks um to be able to supplant Crosby so I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they bring somebody in, like in the near future, because they need there to be some kind of a competition. And I don't think Burkick is is doing any good. I wouldn't be surprised if after today missing all these kicks, if Burkick is out the door and they try to find somebody else to come in and, and kick for us. Which is annoying when you're trying to get some level of continuity and Rich Bisaccia is putting a lot of work into some of these guys, but you got to have somebody. And, and if you know Burkick isn't the guy, and I have to think that they know that, but they still want there to be some kind of a competition with Mason, somebody else has to come in. Um, in red zone, Rodgers threads the needle to Big Dog for a touchdown as Quay Walker was cutting across and just missed it. So that was actually a beautiful play. I, I Borderline beautiful play by Quay. It's, it's hard to say without going back. Maybe if he'd have been a little bit quicker or something, or maybe it was just a great throw. I don't know. But it's exciting on two levels, or, or even three. It's it's a touchdown plus Big Dog. Anytime he does anything, including a touchdown. By the way, if he touches, cut, catches a touchdown this year, I, I think he is the oldest Packer to ever catch a touchdown pass. Might even be the oldest Packer to, to get a reception this year. I'm not positive. I can't remember. I know I looked it up, but Anyways, but then, you know, for Quay Walker to be right there and almost make a play is also very exciting just because I love seeing that guy all over the field. Uh, lots of love for Leroy Butler putting on his gold jacket. Looks like a really fun ceremony and just obviously really happy for the guy. Ryan Wood says Packers just put Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field together. Dillon in the backfield and Jones gets the ball in a jet motion. Wouldn't be surprised to see that formation quite a bit this fall. I tend to agree. Uh, talked about it a little bit before. I don't know if there's going to be as much as people want which some people want that just constantly but I think the the biggest issue is they want to be able to keep these guys fresh so they want one guy on the field and the other one resting on the sideline if you put them both on the field they're not they're not resting and they're not fresh but I do think there's going to be a lot of that I think there's a massive amount of success when they do that um, also saw I think it was Dylan and DeGuara in the backfield together so even when it's not those two necessarily they're still got two in the backfield so lots of fun stuff with different formations that I think is going to be fun to watch this year uh, Paul Brettel's got a couple updates. Good protection for the offensive line and a contested catch by Lewis in the red zone drill. Offense goes five wide. Amos breaks up a quick out to Cobb. Amos had another good day. He's been incredible. Slayton getting his share of reps with the ones. It's another guy that maybe isn't talked about enough. You know, everybody's excited about Devontae Wyatt. Um, Slayton, though, he has been getting a little bit of that those opportunities with the ones. So it seems like he's being... You know, I, I think he is sort of that lock number four right now. I don't know that he necessarily knocks anybody off of that spot, especially, again, considering he's he's pretty locked into that nose tackle role. So he's not going to be a defensive end or, or end up you know doing any of that kind of stuff necessarily. But um, just the fact that he he's he's one of the team now, you know what I mean? He's, he's not just that young guy that doesn't know what he's doing, that still needs to work on this, that, or the other. It seems like they've kind of uh, graduated him to one of the boys just the feeling that I get. Uh, 
Jones in motion, Rogers touch pass to him, Dylan, one of the lead blockers. Campbell sniffs it out. And, and again, Campbell and Quay, man, I just I love watching those guys so much. They looked so fluid. And just again, it's it's the fact that they just know what they're doing. It's not, you know, I think the exciting thing about Roquan Smith that everybody likes, or those types of linebackers, is the athleticism. If you throw a pass out to a running back, his ability to to with speed fly over there and eventually make a tackle. But the thing that excites me is, you know, it's it's one of the things that I I, I get hung up on. You've heard me say a million times, but speed starts between the years. It's the ability to know what to do and to react quickly, to not have to think on the field. And and those two guys were just working in tandem, and it was a beautiful thing. They didn't have to, you know, coach each other or turn around, and, and you know, you didn't see Campbell have to tell him like, hey, watch out for this. this, this. The play comes in and they know what to do. And one of the things Clayton even pointed out was, you know, on, on one of the plays, here's Quay directing the other defenders behind, him, telling, you know, the corners and the safeties, hey, you know, lifting his arm and pointing, and you see the, the, the guy shift. To be able to see things, not only know exactly what I need to do, but what the guys around you need to do and communicate that this is what I'm going to do, so you need to do this. And then to be the guy that makes the play for a rookie that you can probably count the amount of hours he's had on the field on your fingers and toes to be at the level he's at. It, it just gets me so excited. Anyways, we're, we're at the halfway mark. I think we're just going to continue doing this all the way down the line, and I'll, I'll fill in whatever, whatever gets left out at the end. But we're at the halfway mark, so let's, uh, let's just take a break right here. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you want to support the podcast, please head over to pristineauction.com. Use promo code ROGERS. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Andy Herman says Devondre Campbell with another impressive play, stoning Jones who came across on a pop pass with a lead block by A.J. Dillon. It's probably the same play we just talked about, but it just, again, that stuff excites me so much. Sean Davis jumps a Rodgers pass and almost picks it off in the end zone. He ha- uh, Had he made the pick, he may have gone 95 yards for a touchdown. And this is exactly the kind of thing that, again, gives me Jordan Love perspective, because you see Jordan Love almost got picked off, and you're like, see, that's the kind of stuff right there where you look at it and you think he's just not ready, he's never going to be the guy. But do we say that when Aaron Rodgers does it? He almost got a, a pick six while while in the red zone, you know, trying to throw a touchdown pass and almost goes the other direction? Of course we don't, because it's Aaron freaking Rodgers, and he gets a pass. He can do whatever we, he wants, and we're still like, yeah, well, he's still at Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, Love almost threw a pick, and so did Rodgers. Doesn't mean Love had a terrible day. And as Ryan Wood pointed out, that is the third dropped interception by the defense. I love what the defense has done, but some of these sort of down-the-line defenders are not really um, taking advantage of some easy opportunities to to make a name for themselves on this defense and making a roster, which is unfortunate for them. Dean Lowry shoots through the line for a run stop on Aaron Jones. The defense absolutely dominated that red zone period against the Ones. Again, the, the defensive line dominating the offensive line has been a theme all through camp, and that just continues. And you can get upset about the offensive line if you want. Um, I think that's somewhat fair, but it's it's so unbelievably one-sided. It, it And we know a lot of these offensive linemen are the guys we had last year. It's not that bad to the point where any old off defensive line could do this. These guys are just good football players, man. Jonathan Garvin showing up for two straight uh, day run stuff in red zone on Goodson for the second straight day. Love to Danny Davis, incomplete Keandre in coverage. B.J. Baylor gets in for a touchdown, but had there been live tackling, I don't think he would have gotten. That's exactly what I said, because I I remember watching that play and being real excited about the defense, because everybody just spilled off to that side. You had the one guy setting the edge, and you had two guys coming in off that edge um, that were just flying in, and he still got in, and I'm like, you know, maybe he could have got in, but the defense looked like it was in fantastic position. Looked like they did everything right. I have to assume he doesn't get in if, if there was live tackling. So it's funny he said that because that was exactly my thought as well. Samori Ture beats Ento clean in the back of the end zone, but Etling underthrows it. Doesn't matter. Ture comes back and makes the contested catch anyways. That, and it was such a beautiful throw. And this is why I'm. it's nice to be able to see it because it doesn't, the way he phrases it doesn't quite encapsulate how beautiful it was. It just felt like some of those beautiful throw and catches that we've seen from Rodgers and some of his, some of his other guys in the past, where he throws it like low and away, and you know Devonte will kind of slide down and catch it. It was such a pretty thing from from Ture, and to make it look so effortless, you know it, it, he's completely blanketed. The ball is thrown in the dirt, basically. This easily could have been a an incomplete pass where you look at it and go, eh, there was nothing there. But great wide receivers make something out of nothing. Not calling him a great wide receiver, but it's just, again, it's those little things that, that get you excited. And, and, and that's the biggest thing, I think, with all these wide receivers. We, we talk about the concern about what we have, and, and we can talk about their limited abilities, 
you know, Romeo Dobbs isn't built like Christian Watson, and Randall Cobb is not what he used to be, and Alan Lazard is a limited guy in terms of his ability, and Sammy Watkins has got injury issues and isn't exactly the same guy he used to be, and on and on and on and on. Amari's, you know, RAS score was not necessarily super great. It was pretty low, especially for the Packers. But what matters to me is when when Rodgers gives these guys an opportunity, they do something with it. You know, it, it it's 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 a great relationship. And a lot of times, yeah, these guys aren't open. You know, the the passes to the 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 first pass to Sammy Watkins, which I don't think we got there yet on on the Twitter notes, but Stokes had great coverage. But veteran quarterback to veteran wide receiver, he underthrows it. Watkins hits the e break, comes back, catches it clean. You know, I, I distinctly remember a Jordy play, and you you could probably picture it too. What I'm talking about that play where he kind of stops, catches it, cuts back to the middle of the field, and takes off. You know, to the house. The point is, Rodgers is good enough to be able to say, I don't need you to be wide open all the time, but when I give you an opportunity, I want you to make it. And they're doing that. You know, the ability to throw to Sammy Watkins when he's covered and Sammy can make it work. The ability to throw to Romeo and Romeo makes it work. You know, Amari, again, the the only play, the the only negative play that I think Jair has had this entire camp Amari Rodgers beats him on a quick out to the in, in the red zone. Rodgers throws a dart. It was great coverage. But again, just get just give Rodgers enough to work with and and when he gives you that opportunity, take advantage of it. And again, you look at Ture, nothing there, but I'm going to give you an, an opportunity. I'm going to throw it in a really weird spot and you got to go get it and he does. And that that's what's ultimately going to matter because the narrative right now is these guys aren't good enough. They don't have that upper athleticism. Fine. But Rodgers doesn't care. What Rodgers cares about is we need to be in sync. I need you to be in the right place at the right time. And if I give you the opportunity, make the most of it. And they've done that. They've won those, 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 they, they, they fight for it. You know, it, it, the only thing that it reminds me of is remember that game? Obviously you do the, the Brett Favre after his dad died game. It was just sheer force of will that those wide receivers made some of those things. They weren't necessarily the best catches or, or throws in the world. But the wide receiver said, no matter what, it's mine. And I get that feeling from these wide receivers. I'm going to get the ball. And with the exception of Jair Alexander, whose who's sheer force of will is, is unsurpassable, these guys are making it work. And I, it just gets me super excited. I, I can fully acknowledge they're not the greatest wide receivers in the world, but it doesn't matter. Rodgers and these receivers are in sync. He's, he's putting the ball in, in the right spot and, and expecting them to, to do something with it, and they're doing it. They got to be able to keep that up, but it's just it's a beautiful sight to behold so far. We're telling Coco both with high snaps to Pat O'Donnell and punting drills. I didn't see that. That freaking sucks. Come on, guys. Come on, Coco. Don't do this to me, brother. And then another bad note here, and I, I don't have an update on it yet, but Matt Schneidman, Savage walking around gingerly with a wrap holding... What I imagine is ice around the top of his right leg. He he had some kind of a, a hamstring injury. I know Matt Lafleur later said he doesn't think it's going to be serious, which is you know good. I mean you know it could just be a cramp or you know a pulled muscle or something. Which the, the problem with that is it's one of those things that's minor, but it it can linger for as long as it can linger. You know it, it just it'll heal when it heals, and you just never know. We've seen that so many times where somebody will pull a muscle, and you know you think they could be back tomorrow, and three weeks later they're still they're still not back. So um good opportunity for the you know it's what they always say it's a great opportunity for the the next man up mentality. We'll we'll get a definitive answer for who that next man up is at safety. Um I I think that's Vernon Scott, but I don't know. 
I'm looking at uh, our lads here, and they've been updating this, and they they have uh, Levitt and Sean Davis as the next safeties. I'm not sure that I'm fully there yet, but we'll see. If if Savage isn't at practice come, I think, Monday, hopefully he is, then then we'll get an opportunity to see who that next man up is. Kind of give us a little bit of clarity on that and give them a little bit more opportunity. But um, hoping for the best for him. Uh, Herman says, bad drills have been, uh, punt drills have been rough. Bad snaps, bad punts, two holding calls, woof. Again, I missed all that. That'll be interesting to kind of get some clarity. Obviously, our special teams coordinator, Basaccia, is not going to be okay with that. Punt block unit getting some pressure on O'Donnell. Dobbs, Rogers, and Hyman with return attempts. Rogers looking more decisive. Ryan Wood with some uh, distance and hang time numbers, which is pretty cool. 42 yards, 4-6-1 hang time. 48 yards, 4-7-1 hang time. 58 yards, 4-5-8 hang time. 65 yards, NA. 45 yards, 4-19. 62 yards with 5-3-3. What in the world is that? <laughs> How do you do that? 44 yards, 4-4-1 hang time. 52 yards, 4-2-5 hang time. 56 yards, 4-8-8 hang time. It says he downed his last two inside the 10 from 43 and 42 yards. Next play that they keep highlighting is a touchdown throw to Alan Lazard where he, he only got one foot down. But the, the thing that excited me that I, that I noticed about that because the, the, the concern that I would have had is, man, if, if, uh, if it was a little better ball or if, or if Lazard could have got his foot down, then Jair would have been kind of 0 for 2 on these. He could have had two touchdowns again. It makes you, I don't want to say ner- worried, but it, it just, you know, when you realize he's human. But I almost wonder if Jair isn't there if he doesn't get his foot down. You know what I mean? It's not just a matter of, of the ball wasn't quite where it needed to be and, and the body control wasn't there. If you watch Jair... He kind of forces his body out. He kind of grabs him, lifts him, and pushes him and kind of pulls him to the to the sideline. I think that might have been just enough to make sure that second foot doesn't get down. And again, you kind of get that that sheer force of will. I mean, the, the coverage could not have been any better, by the way. I think his hand was basically on the ball as he caught it. But with him being there and with him being so physical and grabbing and kind of lifting and pulling to the sideline, I think that prevented the touchdown. So in other words, if that had been a different corner, I don't know that that isn't a touchdown. If he's not right there with his arm on the ball, basically under his armpit, just driving his body out. So I'm, I'm calling that not just a non-loss for Jair. I'm calling that a win for Jair. Ryan Wood says, Quay Walker having a decent night. Just had a good cover on Amari Rodgers. Made plays in the run game too. Yeah, he's flying all over. I, I was so... I, I just want to be able to see more of him. You know, I'm, I'm going to see if I can go back and watch it. I don't think I can, but... Maybe see if I can take some better notes on on some of those specific plays. But the preseason especially, I'm going to be doing that. I'm, I just need more, man. I need more. Nyman holding up well against Garvin. Rodgers connects with Daphne over the middle. And Amari gets some separation, but throw is out of his reach. Didn't say who the thrower was. Uh, Spofford says, after punt period, it's back to 11 on 11s. Rodgers hits three straight passes. Lazard, Cobb, and Daphne. Then misses Amari Rodgers in the flat and overshoots Lazard deep. So it was Rodgers that was doing the throwing. And again, if this is love, not only would the, the naysayers be going, oh yeah, sure, here, here's your superhero that's going to take over for Rodgers. Oh, sure. But even even I would have some reservation of, oh, come on, man. You can't be overthrowing people. Aaron Rodgers does it multiple times. Should have been, could have been picks. Overthrows to guys open in the flat, you know? So perspective, that's all it is. Zach Tom now getting some work at right tackle with the ones. Defense shows out against the offense, the number one uh, against the number one offense. Nice completion to Daphne mixed in, but not much going right now for the offense. 
BJ Baylor, nice run right behind Ryan and Tom. That's that's cool that those two are next to each other. I don't think I've seen that before. So, and that's with the ones, if I'm not mistaken. I I have not heard once about Sean Ryan being with the ones. So this is this is kind of what I've been waiting for for Sean Ryan. Um, he's been a rotational number two. So about fifty percent of the time, he is the number two right guard. I have not heard once about Sean Ryan being on the number one. So that's very cool, especially with Zach Tom being at, on that side as well. Um, that's just kind of fun, man. I like that. And to have a, one of the few nice runs of the day to have BJ Baylor be t- behind Sean Ryan and Zach Tom. That's I, I, w- I want to go back and find that play. That's, that's awesome. Paul Bredel says going horizontal as a running back against this defense is resulting in nothing. McDuffie is flying around. And, and that, and that makes sense with, with as much speed as they have. That's one of the cool things about it. Especially, and if you really think about this, if you look at the offenses that are really thriving, it's West Coast offenses. And West Coast offenses is about being horizontal. It's stretching the field horizontally. It's not only just, you know, wide zone, but also just throwing horizontally and forcing you to go from sideline to sideline. And you know, the, the best counteraction to that is speed because the, the offense is going to make you cover ground. So you need a defense that can cover ground. And we have just added so much speed everywhere. Our linebackers have speed. Our edge rushers have speed. Our corners and safeties especially have speed. And so again, now you've got an, an offense like the Packers that want to go horizontal. And you got Paul Brettel and everybody else saying that is not a good idea against this defense. You need to get north and south fast. Just run at them because you try to outrun them, you will lose. Wyatt looking for a holding call against Tom. Nothing doing. Holding penalty on Sean Ryan. Jordan Love touch pass after buying time to wide open Romeo Dobbs, who got behind the secondary. Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> Herman keeps putting these weird things on his tweets. I should probably just stop reading them. Not his tweets, I just mean like the weird parts. I don't I don't understand that. Love with a bomb to Ture for a touchdown. Ture was wide open. So that that's the play that, again, it was a little underthrown, in my opinion. And also, um, Devontae Wyatt absolutely would have smoked Jordan Love before that pass got out. But still really awesome to see. You know, Jordan Love did get the ball there enough. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was so underthrown that the defense could catch up, which just really goes to show how, how far down the field Ture was. But a big bomb touchdown pass, I'll take it. Mike Spofford even goes so, going so far as to say, star of the night for the Packers looks like rookie Samari Ture. He just got behind the defense and hauled in a deep ball from Jordan Love. One player earlier, Love threw a nice touch pass on a rollout to Dobbs near the sideline. And then the the behind the scenes on that, Herman says, fantastic pass rush by Devontae Wyatt up the middle over Sean Ryan. Wyatt used a six-spin move to get the pressure. Love still threw accurately to Ture on a touchdown, but was a wow play by Wyatt. Again, don't let anybody tell you that you haven't heard his name in camp, because anybody that hasn't heard his name in camp hasn't been listening. A rarity, says Mike Spofford, Dobbs can't quite bring it in. Etling deep ball is just out of his reach. I think I remember that play, and I don't know why you would phrase it that way. If it's the play I'm thinking of, it was just overthrown. So there's no reason to call out Dobbs on that play. And it looks like Tariq Carpenter was the guy that that got burned by um, Samori Ture via Paul Brettel. So again, another not great note for Tariq Carpenter. And again, Ryan Wood saying Romeo Dobbs is human, which you have to stop saying that. If he's dropped three passes so far, we've established he's human. Stop saying he's human. They act like every time he drops a pass, it's the first time he dropped a pass. We're, we are now on number three or four of this. But anyways, again, if this is the play I'm thinking of, and it was down the left side, he didn't drop it. It says he dropped an Etling pass. It was 
overthrown. So I don't, I don't agree. Herman says deep ball off the fingertips of Romeo Dobbs. Looked like he had a chance at that one. Maybe slightly overthrown or not easy catch, but I think Dobbs would like to have it back. Okay, I, I'm going to go find that one because that is not my recollection. I mean, if you want to say off the fingertips, fine. It grazed his fingertips. But maybe I'm just remembering it wrong because I remember seeing that and thinking that was a garbage throw. Packers third-round rookie Sean Ryan, who is repping his second-team right guard with his uh, second holding penalty of the night. Zach Tom has been the cleaner of the two rookies so far in camp. So maybe it is second team that we're talking about with Zach Tom, but the note right before said now Zach Tom is getting in with the one, and then they start talking about Sean Ryan with Zach Tom. So I don't know. Maybe it's with the twos. I'm not going to call it the ones because nobody has officially said that, so I'll just assume it's not. I don't want to get too Sean Ryan hyped, especially since he's having a bad night. <laughs> Although he's he's going up against Devontae Wyatt, so I don't, you know, whatever. I guess Wyatt plays with the twos, so that checks out. Uh, Rodgers finds a wide open Josiah DeGuara. Looks like Quay may have lost him a bit. DeGuara's having a really nice day. There's one bad Quay note. That's sad, but it's fine because I need Josiah to have a great camp, so I'll take it. Preston has been so good at staying home. Another reason by running outside has been so challenging, and that, that was kind of the big thing for him coming in. You know, we kind of forget about that and want him to continue being as good of a, a pressure machine as he has been or was last year, but I think coming into Green Bay, that was his his biggest asset, is he is a great run defender. He can set an edge with the best of them. Spofford says, rookie linebacker Quay Walker keeps showing up for Packers defense tonight. Check down to Dylan in the flat, and Walker's right there to wrap him up and not get beat by Dylan's inside move. So I, I, I specifically remember this series as well. This is, this is the one I was kind of talking about, about the defense swarming and being stifling. So on this particular play, Rodgers went, that was like his third progression. He went to his first, nobody there. Went to his second, nobody there. So he goes to his check down, Dylan in the flat, and Quay Walker just flies there, immediately meets him basically as the ball gets there and takes him down. Ryan Wood says, tonight turning into the Quay Walker show. Nice open field tackle, not live, on A.J. Dillon. Swing catch from Aaron Rodgers. Walker showed good balance, staying with Dillon when the running back cut inside after the catch. Uh, False start by Caleb Jones. B.J. Baylor with a big run up the middle behind Clary and Ryan. It doesn't look like anybody talked about it, but I I remember the next play after that, Rodgers tries to go to his left side. I don't remember who the receiver was, but immediately Eric Stokes is there and blows the guy up. So I don't see a note on that. It looks like we're getting to the fireworks now, so that's about it, but... Um, that it was funny because, um, I think it was Clayton was talking about it and he was, you know, by the end of the night, he was saying, you know, Packers Twitter is basically shut down. These guys were, seemed like they were getting kind of tired of, of live tweet and maybe they're trying to enjoy some time with their family. I'm not really sure what, what the deal was, but, um, they were, they were kind of getting a little, little exhausted and not exactly tweeting out a ton as the day went on. So I specifically remember that, but it doesn't look like that was really talked about. There's a note by, uh, Eli Berkovitz, but kind of really encapsulates where we're at. And it's it, Clayton has been talking about it a lot too. Funny where we're at right now, you know, considering the wide receivers, but he says, everyone spent all off season crying about the Packers wide receiver room just to fall in love with the whole group anyways. He says, I have no idea how they're going to cut it down to six. Even if they kept a seventh wide receiver, it would be still be very challenging to figure out who the seventh is. And and I think the 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 retort to that would be, it's not that there aren't a bunch of guys that you can't figure out who they are. It's, it's the fact that you don't have those top end guys. But even that, I, I think you're starting to see that getting challenged. Again, I, I have not seen bad notes. I have been encouraged by Sammy Watkins. Again, the biggest thing with Sammy seems to be when you get down into the red zone or when you get down into crunch time, the two-minute, Sammy comes alive. We know what we have in Alan Lazard as sort of a baseline. Romeo has been incredibly encouraging. Randall is is that sort of, you know, what I've been saying about Sammy, you know he's that third-down guy. He's going to be there in clutch situations. Amari has been really promising. 
not talking about Hall of Fame level. I'm just saying it, it's it's been encouraging. And we have yet to see, you know, we get this much positive uh, feedback from Romeo Dobbs. We have yet to see what Christian Watson can do. That's the guy we took first. That's the guy we wanted to take in the first round. The Green Bay Packers wanted to take in the first round. That's the guy that's got that that speed and size that's very rarely ever been replicated. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I would challenge that a bit to say that there's really nothing super promising. We just have a lot of, like, number threes. Well, okay. We'll see. But anyways, that's uh, that's about it. I don't think I really missed anything that I wanted to cover anyways. Um, again, Watkins really, that one catch he made really just kind of, kind of sold me on him as far as he's able to be that guy, you know, just the guy that Rodgers can trust. I, I think I get so hung up on you've got to be able to beat the guy across from you. You know, in other words, straight line speed or whatever, you have to get that separation. You have to be able to run away from people. And, you know, he's he's done that. He has that ability. But Really what it comes down to is that mind meld. You can win any of these situations. And that's what a lot of these passes were today. Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins, Samore Ture, almost every single one of their highlight catches came when a guy was draped all over him. Almost Alan Lazard on a touchdown if he could have got his foot down. None of these guys were open, but they made plays because they were in sync with their quarterback. So anyways, um, any further updates or whatever, we'll talk about it t- tomorrow, t- tonight maybe. Uh, if you want to call in, we could talk about it tonight. Phone number 608-501-0718. But uh, I'm going to leave it at that for today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.